Hello. We are live here at the Tabletop College Show. Uh, as always, I am Adam Bell, and I'm joined I'm by... Wow. I spoke right over you. Do it again. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Gage. And I, I, I'm Adam Bell. I am. This is the Tabletop Call-In Show. We're going to talk about games with whoever wants to call in. Um, oh, boy. Tyler Cromwright. Out the gate, dude. Somebody, the call queue, I messed it up, but I don't care. However they get in, they get in. I tried to make an archive. Anyway, let me, starting over. This is the Tabletop Call-In Show. I'm Adam. Joined by Jeremy, of course. We're going to talk about games uh, with whoever wants to call in. So we're going to be taking questions, taking stories. If you want to tell us about something, if you want to tell us about a cool game coming soon. If you want to, I don't know, anything. Anybody can call in except for landlords. Uh, They are not allowed. And if I find out you're a landlord and you've called into my show, I don't know what I'll do. But it won't be pretty. Um... (laughs) Yeah, that's how's it going, Jeremy? What you what have you been up to? Any anything? Uh, all the things, booking interviews left and right for the mm-hmm. Draw Your Dice podcast. Uh, I finally got Jeff Stormer to agree to be on the show, so really excited for that episode. And yeah, that's about the nitty gritty. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I've been. I haven't been doing much tabletop stuff this week. I've been playing a lot of Yakuza Zero. I brain designed a new game the other day. That would, it's going to be good if I ever actually make it. You don't, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes you just don't have paper out and you're just thinking about a game, and it's good. I did it this last night. I wow. did it last night, in fact. Yeah, something about like command arrays and bands and and cards and. All sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. Mine is a... What did I call it? Shit. It's about a spaceship that's about to self-destruct. Uh, it's like a run-based... It's kind of deck building on accident. Um, <laughs> it's not really deck building. But it's it's like a, a, a real-time run-based game where the spaceship is about to explode... And you're going to be going through a deck of cards that tell you, like, the challenges that you are facing to get off the ship. And addressing those challenges by, like, writing on a note card and then going through what everybody did, like uh, like Space Alert. Uh, so it's deck building in that you can use note cards from previous rounds. So if previously you were like, oh, I kick in the door, then you don't have to spend the time writing that this time. You just slam your... Anyway, I think that'll be fun. Uh, I love it. That sounds like... um. Uh, time stories in a way if you've ever played that board game you should it's it's like an rpg board game check it out maybe i'll check it out maybe, <laughs> you maybe have a I twist now <laughs> i have to I'm contractually bound <laughs> um yeah any other uh arguably low tier banter that you want to get through or should we start taking calls <laughs> Last thing is, uh, hey, I'm excited for Monster Hunter Rise. Let's let's go, all hunters. Fucking lit on the Switch. Good luck. Uh, that's not yeah. for me. Uh, so I think our first caller, we're looking at Discord user Tyler. Yeah, got in. I wanted to hide the archive from the people, but they'll be fine. Um, so I'm going to bring Tyler in. 
Hello. Thanks for calling at the Tabletop Calling Show. Who are we talking to? Let me get you up. Hello. This is Tyler. I'm watching it on Twitch, so I'm going to mute it there so that I only hear you here. <laughs> That's Hello. a good call. <laughs> Hello. How are you? How are you doing today? Doing great. How about you? Good, great. I'm good, kind of. That's kind of what I want to call about. Oh, uh, I just really need some help from the the Colin Bros, from the Colin oh. Sparrow. Um, is, is that our title now, the Colin Bros? I don't know. I just, just you gotta you gotta workshop this stuff early in uh, a show's <laughs> yeah. life cycle. I just I want to be like the the mother of whatever name you all are called so i'm just gonna keep throwing them okay so you want to be the mother of the colin bros yeah yeah um (laughs) i i honestly though i feel like colin farrell's is the is the stronger one but Uh, (laughs) as you may have heard uh i just took a sip of tea went for a walk here on the millvale trail which Mm. was just harrowing because spring fever's got folks just oh yeah just really reckless out there same you know, a across lot of, a lot of a lot of people that don't realize that uh small choices they make could put their health at danger but mm-hmm. uh all this yeah. ties into what i want to ask about today how do the two of you deal with anxiety and like being patient uh within the scene I, specifically for me mm-hmm. it's the fact that you know I have this Kickstarter that's going up on Tuesday, something I've been preparing for since November of last year. Uh, but really, you know, the last three years as I as I worked on these games in it. And now I'm kind of, one, I just have to be patient right now before I hit go on Tuesday. But I know that I'm looking down the barrel of a 30-day stretch where I'm Whoa. just going to have to not refresh every five minutes i'm gonna have to find ways to just you know be proactive but also be kind of kind of live with that anxiety and find ways to mitigate it so adam as someone who has ran multiple kickstarters and also jeremy you know even just like i think that it's not something foreign to the podcaster experience either of you know like the the anticipation moments and like waiting for people to respond to querying emails so, like racking your brain like what did i say to offend jeff stormer is he ever going to get back to me um, <laughs> you know uh, anything that the two of you might have to say on like being patient and dealing with like the anxiety that is kind of inherent in any creative field that relies on people interacting with the thing that you're making you know yeah. You you want me to go first? You want me to try this one? So I think first off, uh Tyler, for you in particular, I think one way to deal with it, which this is going to not sound helpful at all, uh would be to put in basically the amount of work ahead of time to get enough eyes on your project. Uh I think that I just believe that you've been doing a very good job of that uh so that a lot of that like front loaded the very beginning, I think, I think your thing is going to do great at the, at the beginning of it. And then obviously Kickstarter doldrums aside. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously that would be great to start. But then <laughs> bottom out. Yeah. And then, and then you just have to sit there and wait as a couple of people trickle in uh, every day for a month in and out, you know, 
so once you're in there, yeah, uh, not refreshing is a good thing. If you can somehow distance yourself from the uh, the apparatus of Kickstarter itself, you don't you don't need to be looking at it. It won't change it if you look at it. You don't need to be. I mean, you're going to be thinking about it, but you don't need to be thinking about it. Um, and that's a very difficult thing, but I think halfway through my campaign for Grasping Nettles, I came to a way to help myself, which hopefully we'll share. And that was recentering my expectations to where they were at the beginning. Because with that big spike that happens at the beginning of many Kickstarter projects, you like that part of your brain just gets a little bit addicted to that that feeling of people just pouring in and the number is way bigger each time you check it. Uh, but recentering back to being like, Oh wait, I set my goal to be this and I'm like well on pace for that. So there's nothing to be worried about. Cause I think it's very natural to like, as soon as that big spike comes in, then all of a sudden your brain is setting all of these other goals that it's not really telling you about, but it's like, Oh, but what if I could get to, 15 times what I asked for at the beginning and then you're then you're starting to spiral yeah I that that really makes a lot of sense to me and it's something that is a good thing to keep in mind as I go into this because I even I remember with beak feather and bone falling into that trap you know I think it's a little easier well I, I've never done a 30-day kickstarter before yeah, you know my last one either. was zine quest um but it's definitely very easy to kind of fall into that trap especially after funding day one mm -hmm. to just like look at all of those websites. They're like, here's your graph. And if you keep up this pace, you're going to fund 3000%. You're going to be a millionaire. And, and suddenly you're measuring your success based on like whether or not you hit like this number that some random algorithm said that you're capable of versus what you're actually capable of or what's realistic to kind of hold yourself to. Right. Yeah. So like if you've done your job ahead of time and set your, like your funding goal to be something that like will cover the costs that you're, you're sinking into this thing, that is ultimately the goal and everything else you should feel good about. Cool. Well, thank you, Jeremy. What do you have to add? <laughs> well, thank you, Tyler, for asking. How, how have your Kickstarters gone? <laughs> so well. Uh, no, uh, for me, I can't speak to when you're creating something that is bringing in a relatively large sum of cash. And, you know, when I say relative is that the amount of money is always relative to the person who's receiving it, right? Um, but for me, when it comes to the work of putting something out that you're passionate about and then getting positive and or negative responses to any of that stuff can also be anxiety inducing uh, because there's always an intrinsic value within yourself to want to be liked by as many people as possible, right? So when you hit that, those negative things, I can see how they sort of weigh on you or weigh on me. I think about it all the time. For me, I just kind of drown myself in... I have a very good, like... So I should it. drown myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. hey, Pittsburgh's got a lot of rivers, so... So, when see, you... <laughs> see if you could swim across the Allegheny, and if you can, yeah. then we could play a game, you know. Cool, yeah. yeah. We could break uh, quarantine for that. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I'll still be wearing a mask. Okay. It'll just be a scuba mask. <laughs> um, I I do a lot of batched work ahead of time for the podcast. Like I will record three or four episodes. I will edit them all. I will set them on published dates, and then I will also schedule like marketing tweets ahead of time. And basically, uh, the thing that keeps my stress at a minimum is just to know that I, that the work is done. Like we live in an age of very cool technological tools, AIs, logarithms, all that stuff. And I think it's beneficial to just be, even with the internal, I've never seen the, the background stuff that has to do with Kickstarter, like all the messages they send you of like, hey, look at where you're at now. If you did X, right? But it's like, I, I feel like for me, even if I were to see those things, I, I wouldn't, like, I don't care. I wouldn't read the email. I wouldn't look at it because I know that I've already done the structured work that I want to do to for this success. And if I want to pull any audibles, uh, I will. Like, if I read it, if I even do read it and go, oh, okay, well, I guess I could do, like, an extra scheduling day on, on the rip. Sure. But um, I, I, I let the work kind of take care of my anxiety. And if I can do any extra work for, like, the next month, sure i'll put myself even further ahead i don't mind and then that lets that keeps me flexible and versatile so that's how i how i manage it yeah that that makes a lot of sense and there's definitely you know there's no dearth of things that i i can be working on for the future and i mm -hmm. think you know channeling that like refresh anxiety into like well you know whether it's funded or whether it's trending towards funding or what have you, or even if it's trending towards a failure, just being like, hey, instead of agonizing about what I could be doing right now, have confidence in what I've done mm. and start working towards the next step. Whether mm -hmm. it's like writing out the game for when people, you know, are expecting it in X months or, you know, taking that game and like recalibrating it for like, all right, if this winds up being like a digital only uh, itch.io drop, as opposed to, you know, this like specialty bound edition, what, how do I need to recalibrate to make sure that that's like, you know, a good use of my time and finances and stuff on that smaller scale. Mm -hmm. Well, thank yeah, you. I, yeah, 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 of I, course. Yeah. I, I appreciate both of your feedbacks as um, uh, a Colin Chains. Uh, no, um, as wow, call call Brutal. me as call me maybes. Uh huh. As call uh -huh. by your podcast. Keep show. it coming. Call no, I, I can't. Really. <laughs> call you know so like. <laughs> Do, you, do I do I hang up or do you hang up? Or well, like, who, well, first, who, who said who says I love you first? Before we do that, I, I mean, it's we've, always me. We've mentioned that you do have a Kickstarter coming in, but you should tell the listening audience who may or may not know what the hell we're talking about about like where to find that. On yeah, a, on so um, I've got uh, a Kickstarter coming up, um, the Possible Worlds RPG subscription box, where you're going to be able to back at either a digital or a physical tier uh, and get six games once a month uh, over the course of six months. And if you do like the premium backer level, then you'll also get a nice box of them all collected and printed. Uh, but it launches on Tuesday at 11 a.m. here in Eastern time. Um, I'm 
very excited um feeling you know like equal parts confident and anxious uh and if folks want to take a look at that you can sign up for the pre-launch notification at ttrpg.link slash pw thank you tony uh or you can head over to possibleworldsgames.com where you'll find all the stuff that i do cool all right well thanks for uh thanks for calling in thanks for talking to us yeah i love you <laughs> i love you i'll see you for your interview this wait wait week. adam <laughs> Adam, I love you. Hey, I love you. Say it All back. Right. All right. Bye. Normal shit. All right. See ya. <laughs> Casual. Casual-ish. Um, yeah. Hey, anxiety, huh? How yeah. about those? How about those brains? <laughs> so weird. So weird. They really uh, like to take dumps on themselves, don't they? Uh, the brains inside our skulls. The brain dump. Yeah. That wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy, for noticing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't say that I'm too terribly affected by anxiety, except when it comes to like friendships, especially like internet ones, because I'm always mm-hmm. struggling. Like, what do they actually think about me? But otherwise, I literally don't give a shit about anyone's opinion most of the time. When internet wise, like Twitter, yeah. discourse, BS, all that stuff. Yeah. I, there's a lot of, I, there's like half formed thoughts that I keep attempting to say, but then they fall apart as soon as I want to uh, speak them. So yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, what's going on? Who else is in the queue? <laughs> How are we doing today? Moving forward. Today I went. Taken back by the I love you. <laughs> No, well, earlier today, I went disc golfing again, uh, and so I think I'm a little more physically tired than I was last week, and so I'm I'm working through that. It was good. So goddamn fit. I'm I'm not is the thing. That's the uh, that's the problem. Is I do the things, (laughs) but then I'm tired. Uh, Clayton is next in the queue. If we want to stop whatever the hell's happening here. Wow, two in a row, Clayton. Let's go. I'm gonna wait. What do you mean two in a row? Clayton called last time too. Did he? Yeah. Hello. Thanks for calling oh, the oh Tabletop Colin Show. Hello. Who's yes. this? Hello. It, it, it's a pleasure. I'm surprised that you guys haven't taken on a like shock jock aesthetic already. Like you, <laughs> you could be, you could be like 98.5 NZ, and then just like go oh. off on like these riffs. I wish we did have. We need a radio. We need to get syndicated on a radio station because yeah. I think that would make this feel a lot better. Go to go to go to a uh, college radio station where they just can't find anything to right. fill the airwaves, you know? <laughs> and, and you'll be on it all the time. I can't imagine sa- Sunday at four p.m. is super competitive on the radio yeah. waves. <laughs> exactly, or at the very least, like maybe uh, maybe Jeremy, maybe you could have like just a soundboard where you just press a button and it just does like a spring boing and like. <laughs> Or like other like assorted like canned noises that you can uh-huh. just use on ad. I want a soundboard so bad. Wouldn't that be sick? Or her voice modulator? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm supposed to like give you guys a conversation topic, right? That's I mean, the... you could, we could start with some chat. That's yeah. No, no that we like that, you. That's no. Nah, that's that's <laughs> a waste of your. That's a waste of yours and everyone's time. Let's let me get. Let's go with a. We got a spicy conversation. Ooh. Or we can have a uh, 
just a really interesting like question for you guys. Which which one should we do? Should we do the slightly spicy or should we do the sort of compelling one that's like good content that'll get you on YouTube or whatever? <laughs> Give one of us one and the other the other. Oh, oh wow. My God. All right. Um, let's let's match it to your aesthetics. All right, uh, Adam. <laughs> Uh-huh. Now I'm I'm the layout I'm the layout person I, I love layout and uh, but I think layout can happen in any way any the creator feels like. What is a product that you loved whose layout was terrible or like or that you saw it and you were like man, I wish that were just it was like ninety percent there. You mm. get to choose which to which degree of toxic you want to be on this one. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, that's, that's, this is something that people ask me, and I'm always like, oh, I don't, don't make I'm not, me I'm not, do it. I'm not right. a negative person. <laughs> yeah, I don't me, want to do that. Me too. Uh, so, like, I am, as far as, like, my layout goes, because I, I do do the layout for my own games, and mm-hmm. I'm not. Oh, I've seen it. I'm not a layout king, by any means. No, that's I'm all right. A, I'm a very, I mean, it works. I get stuff, I get it done. I think yeah. is the <laughs> thing that that's the that's usually the goal of layout. You know, right. it's, just, it's it's not supposed to be the thing you stunt on. But unless, um, unless you can, by all means, <laughs> go ahead, like, sport the drip, you know. But whatever, anyway. So yeah, I I don't know that. I, I guess I'll just get it ahead of time, out of the way that like I am not the person here that uh, should be criticizing layout because I don't know anything. But let's think of one that I wish was better. And so I, I assume here that what I want to be considering would be something that has reached a commercial release, like any given itch game. Like I'm not going to expect some yeah. beautiful layout no. by somebody putting out a PDF, uh, but something Freaking, that somebody yeah. was like, I'm going to print this. I'm going to go through the cost and I'm looking over at my shelf and I'm hoping that something will come to mind. <laughs> um, if you have an answer uh, that you want to get in there while I think, by all means. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'll, I'll buy you time. So <laughs> first off, like, there's no way to answer this question that it has been asked to me multiple times without it sounding like I'm going to punch something. So it's always <laughs> good to punch up. In right. this case, uh, the layout that I think of is always uh, like a Dungeons & Dragons Wizards of the Coast product layout. Yeah, I've seen some really good indie makers make stuff for D&D. That is great, and the layout's really new or unique, or does really good things to make the adventure uh, easier to sort of digest. Which is something that D and D products usually just like, here's the backstory, and they roll it out in like seven paragraphs on like three pages. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I would say uh, maybe D and D. But the one that I think of most often is Call of Cthulhu Sixth Edition where the pages are all black with white type and cursive, and there are really scary sort of uh, illustrations of H.P. Lovecraft with his glassy dead eyes looking back at you off the page. Uh, that That's probably the product that when I first you- read it, I was like, I, I love, I like the game. I like the aesthetic of like playing a bookish nerd, mm-hmm. being uh, seeing thing that something that they shouldn't be seeing. But when I saw that book out, like they had sidebars for like critical rules just sort of scatter shot across 200 pages. So you'd find like the rules for your character's health on like page 56 after you had learned about inventory items, you know, things like that would just be, that was probably the product that messed me up the most when it comes to the layout. 
Yeah, that seems fair. Or more specifically, maybe be like, huh, this could be better, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have my answer. Okay. For the for the viewing audience, the answer is Uh, Spire. Spire. It's. I mean, it the the layout gets the job done, but I think in this book, the art is doing all of the heavy lifting to make me happy to look at it. Um. But like the layout is is like a fairly basic. Here's two columns of text. The right page mm-hmm. has a spiral that's weird behind it, and the left page doesn't. Yeah, uh, and it's sometimes a, there are callouts. Yeah, there's just nothing yeah. nothing really doing anything for me here. Yeah, in, which in is pretty direction. wild for Spire. Seeing as Spire is like so like influential in its own way. It's it's got a bit of an iconic status among some groups. Right, you'd and it's ex- like you'd expect it to be a little bit wilder. Yeah, the art in here is very has a very great it's a very good aesthetic. Um, it's cool. Yeah. So for it to not be coupled by something that feels similar in the text is, I mean, it's fine, but I think it missed something there. Missed an opportunity yeah. to be more than it, it is. Yeah. Some the art in the writing is so good that you, and that's like you answered the you answered my prompt. You've passed the test. No. Uh. Yeah. No. Just like of the. Oh, it didn't reach its 100% like potential that because it, it got set up to have like a really cool layout based off everything else being so good. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. That was the spicy take. Uh, now we're gonna go over to uh, Jeremy Gage here. Uh, what board games have not found their way into the RPG space that you think should, and you cannot choose a cop out like Gloomhaven or Descent. <laughs> <laughs> or any of these games that are basically RPGs already, but aren't. So are you looking like mechanically, like? Uh, it could be either mechanically, or... or it could be about those delicious-looking, uh, colorful cubes that come in lots of different games. <laughs> okay. Those are scientifically those... proven to make a game better. The, the chunkier yeah. and brighter they are. <laughs> the little like, blocks. Yeah. When you like, uh, I can't remember which game it is, but. Oh, it's like Seasons, where it's got like big chunky dice that look like everlasting gobstoppers. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, I know for a fact that, who cares about the mechanics? That game is fun because those because of those colors. Yeah, the mechanics are fine in that game, but you still yeah. had a nice time because of how nice it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> big old uh, chunky boy dice. I will say that my experience with a ton of board games is limited. I've maybe played a total of 15 but i do have an answer uh i think that uh there is a lot me and uh viditia valetti talked about how a lot of rpg tactical rpgs need to take less from war games like moving forward and more from like board game style ethos of like abstracted movement and figuring out how to load things on the cars etc etc but my answer is that it's kind of a board game, but it's also a video game. It's called uh, Armello. And I think Armello could definitely find its way into an RPG role role play space. And it does not have that. Um, it doesn't have like, it has a story mode, but it's not something you're like trying to engage with other players in, in a multiplayer fashion. And it is very board game. Like I, it, this is not a cop out to say it's a video game. It plays exactly like a board game. It has dice rolls, uh, mo- movement tiles, all these sorts of things. Uh, for anyone who may not know, Armello is a uh, game where you play as anthropomorphic characters with their own backgrounds and special abilities as the characters. 
princess. I think the generic character is like this warrior werewolf uh, person. And you have decks of cards that let you do special abilities and things like that, items and like event cards. And the objective of the game is that you're trying to either kill the tyrannical king or uh, help him obtain like dark magic curses. There's like two or three different winning conditions. But I think that's a game that that could see itself into an RPG space for sure. Nice. You man, you manage. So I I used to uh, teach board games at like a, a game convention and everything else. And you managed to find like a video game board game that I had not actually played yet. So now <laughs> I'm just like curse you, Jeremy. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's that's good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's just extend that to Adam because I. It, it, are you? Do you have one before you guys send me on my way? I think. I think it'd be cool to do not a specific one, but like a worker mm-hmm. placement RPG, right? Something yeah. where like, which I think like grasping nettles is, is on the way there. Obviously it's not worker placement at all, but like having a bunch of different actions and then being able to like select them on every turn. I yeah. think there would be something, there's something there that eventually I'll explore. And then the other half would be anything social deduction, but also I'm working there. Yeah, I, uh, I, I th- makes me think of because uh, you already see in a lot of RPGs like base building and hirelings mm-hmm. and things like that, and it's like you're just like we're just like one step towards like worker placement. It's like oh, you got a hireling, put them on this thing, and they will produce this benefit or this like in fiction like aesthetic thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff could you be know. really good for handling like those those downtime slash yeah. like, background administrative stuff is just anything that is just purely mechanical so that you can get back to the fun part without having to be like, Oh, well, where do our hirelings go? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be good. Make one of those. Anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. You can go ahead and it's already been packaged in literal boxes with art. So just go find one, and turn it into a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your chat and somebody mentioned Waterdeep and I'm like, ah, yep, that's it. I mean, like, so <laughs> here's the thing. I, I, I want to go on a uh, thing and then you guys can kick me. Please. Uh, the queue is w- currently empty. So like the floor is Excellent. yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this is why I chose today and not last week. Uh, no. Uh, sophomore app. Here's the best part about Waterdeep for me. Uh, anyone who's familiar with Waterdeep, Waterdeep is about a city in Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms where... A bunch of rich people who wear masks control the city secretly and they they're a character in the, the fiction and Waterdeep, instead of playing the adventurers like you normally would in a dnd game you are playing the masked lords who use adventurers like pawns in their little economic game and to me that is the most water deep game ever made because every de- like because whenever you play like Dungeons and Dragons or you hear about people playing Dungeons and Dragons, they're always the adventurers and the bad guys are always like some dragon out in the countryside or some mad wizard underneath the, the mountain. But no, the, the real bad guys in Waterdeep are the Lords of Waterdeep who give you the quest to go kill the dragon and then skim off about 90% of your winnings. Right. Mm-hmm. So they can continue their little political game. And then you, you know, your adventure dies in their bed for some reason because they ticked off somebody. Oh, God. But that's a great game, though. Like, I mean, it's a very simple Euro, but it's there's something about taking a bunch of cubes. They're like of one color and being like, and then you have to move them off the board. And you're like, oh, 
Those are seven clerics dead now. Just gone. <laughs> gone clerics. They're seven over. little cubes. I'm sure they'll be Look fine. At <laughs> it's okay. We got we got a whole box of clerics we can go yeah, through before they, the game is over. They did a lot of praying. I'm sure their god will take care of them. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah, but there, but there's something about the like just the. Uh, I think there's the board game aesthetic that you have like a stick and you're like Napo- little Napoleon and you're just pushing cubes on a map that feels good. And I want to see more of that in uh, an RPG product. That or, or, you know, just the colorful cubes that you want to put in your mouth and eat, but you know you can't because they're covered in lead paint or whatever. Yeah. What nice. I want... One thing that I'm currently designing towards in like the big project that eventually I'll start really working on is... I want more games that are like if you did essentially no role playing are fun, but then if if yeah. you bring in the element of role playing, so like it's constantly prompting you to like set scenes and stuff. Yeah. Then it's like a really great time. I want to see more of that. So it's like things that can bring people into the role playing space from the board game space. Uh, yeah. by giving them a set of rules that like if you were a complete boring square and never spoke once as your character you still had yeah. an okay time but then gradually you start being playing the character is something like that is good yeah. for the future you know a good game for that would be like uh like werewolf yeah in many ways is a rpg to most people like mm-hmm. most people like gravitate to like immediately creating this narrative in their heads that the person they're accusing is like nefarious for no mm-hmm. reason. Like I, I'll, I'll, when I was, you know, running conventions and stuff, there would always be that, that one scapegoat. It's just a random person who came into the game and now they're being like strung up as being this like heinous person just because they uh, didn't talk for like five minutes. And <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Oh no! Yeah, there's a lot yeah. in, in any of those social deduction games. There is a lot of just absolute bullshittery that you, yeah, start getting and into, I, which yeah, de- definitely I'm not verges saying, on role playing. Yeah, good. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I'm not. I'm not saying that the, that, that werewolf is good because I don't <laughs> enjoy it. But but that is one of those games where like you don't need to be a role player to engage with it. And in mm-hmm. fact, the moment you have to defend yourself, suddenly you're role playing. Right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely Even do a lot of like a little bit. I was just sitting here making toasts. Like if you get a role that's like the the chef or something. Like I, I was blotting. I was on my phone. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I'm not big braining over here. That's yeah. my curse. They always think I'm big braining, but that's because I'm extra about any competitive game. So yeah, there's this uh, board game called Resistance, which mm. is similar. Yeah, I think it's my favorite. And uh, I played that game probably over 100 times now and i am the spy 95 percent of the time oh you're one of those it's it's not it's not something i want to be it's just the card finds me and and ends up in my hand Mm -hmm. and i can't play the game anymore because everyone's (laughs) just like oh yeah plays the spy like they just say that the first second before the game has even started to new people like plays the spy and then the worst part is is that i'm looking at my card and I and it's spy. true. <laughs> They're it's not always wrong. True. I They're had, not wrong, but just once I'd like to be nice. I'd like to be the good guy. Of, of, at my uh, work a while back, people played, back when we went to the office and stuff, people played, mm-hmm. whenever I wasn't there, people got out like Secret Hitler, and then I would bring, out, I would bring the resistance because I just prefer it. 
in basically every way. Uh, but this one guy, every time, was always Hitler. And then one time I ran two rooms at a boom for them. Same oh, guy was the game. bomber. It's just like every time this dude plays any sort of secret <laughs> secret role game, he's the ultimate bad guy. And it's... Mm-hmm. I never get to... I want to be the bad guy. It's so Same. fun. I, I, I love Two Rooms and a Boom. I actually have a signed like, box of it on my shelf over Ooh. here in my Aww. apartment. Yeah, I'm and a fan. It's got, it, and it's got Alan Girding and Sean McCoy of Mothership Fame's like, names for, like, on it because Sean McCoy and them designed that game before mm-hmm. they did RPGs. And my favorite card in that is uh, called Clown. And it's a role where if you have it, you have to smile all the time, no matter what. You can never break your smile. And people hate the person who has the clown card because they because they they're like, why are you smiling? And the clown person can't tell them why they why they're smiling. Well, they can, so, but the other person, oh yeah, like there are twelve other people that are pretending to be the clown that are also just yes. doing it, which <laughs> is when those smiling. roles really yeah. shine. Like, oh, I'm they, not the they, bomber. Yeah, <laughs> you get all these conspiratorial people all like <laughs> gathered around, and they're all being like, one of you is the bomber, but they're all smiling like the Joker <laughs> from ear to ear. <laughs> It's terrifying, but it's so good. It's, yeah. yeah, it's an excellent, uh, weird game. Yeah, big fan. I was supposed to help demo their games for, during cons uh, last year, but obviously that didn't happen. Right, I was really looking yeah. forward to because they make some, besides Mothership, I mean, Mothership's great, but all of their other games are a ton of fun. Yeah, the, that's not Lemonade and Russian Roulette. All those are not, not, not regular Russian Roulette. Mind world championship russian world roulette. championship <laughs> russian roulette and with a surprisingly despite being world championship uh the fatality rate is almost zero <laughs> the real life one in yeah. character speaking I mean, of games yeah. that make you kind of role play oh god well yeah what time is it i can't i can't see my clock because the camera's in the way cool well, uh, if you have any other things to bring up, you're welcome to. Uh, but I, you don't really, also really don't have to stay to hold the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, like, <laughs> God, I, you guys are. You guys can go ahead and have uh, another conversation. I'll watch the rest of it. I should probably uh, get back to editing this uh, this doc for this other game designer. Oh, this cool. secret project. Secret project. Nah, it's not secret. It's a uh, it's for a jam someone has, and they're they're I they, they're Brazilian, so. I'm I'm here to make sure that the Portuguese has made the voyage to English and you know represented itself well enough. Oh, cool. Which yeah, will be fun. Well, do you have but, uh, on that note? Do you have anything to plug? Any of your perhaps editing uh, slash layout services? Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so Blah. here's the thing. I don't design games. I'm 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 the one of those people who writes about games in the game world. Uh, but that said, I do want to promote other people. So I, I think uh, everyone should check out the RPG L-A-T-A-M jam. That's a Latin American jam. That's uh, There's so many amazing games that are coming out of South America, Central America, Mexico, you know, all, all those places that you should check out. And uh, the best part is, is uh, you don't have to be of that uh, demographic to participate. In fact, if you're not part of that demographic, you should participate because the games that are already out there are really really cool and they're just they're just covered in hooks they're velcro you know like you can just stick a bunch of stuff to them and it'll look really cool so there's that and then uh 
I don't know. I mean, there's just so many other games coming out there, coming from other places. Uh, I, I, I'm constantly seeing uh, games coming from like the Freea login sort of community and uh, the, 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 what is it, the uh, Stockholm Cartel with all their partially evil things that they've made. They all look gorgeous, so definitely check those out as well. Oh, and uh, I'll, I'll probably be on uh, Jeremy's uh, Draw Your Dice podcast sometime. This <laughs> week. Next, next week? Next week? <laughs> okay. Are you whispering next week? Yeah, yeah, next week. <laughs> it's good. It's good. What, what? Cool. <laughs> I don't know when. But you should tune in because uh, there's there's me and then there's uh, much more eloquent and, uh, you know, galaxy brainy people. Uh, coming up with all these sort of things about ideas and stuff. Uh, You're also Galaxy Brain. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, th that's my plug. Uh, Latin American Jam, check it out. You can see that on Itch. You can also use the hashtag on Twitter. Check out the games that are coming out of places that aren't America in general. And then, of course, uh, go on Draw Your Dice and download it. Listen to it while you're cooking food and running through Brooklyn or whatever it is that your life contains. <laughs> Is this your life? Cool. Just tell us your life. Always cooking <laughs> no, no, food no, and running through Brooklyn. I'm, no, I, I, I'm walking awkwardly through the north end of Boston. But that. <laughs> so whatever uh, parallel you may have in your own life. But anyway, yeah. Thanks, guys. It was great being on. Cool. Have, a great, have a great day. Bye. Damn, nobody's let me kick them today. All right. I mean, there's. <laughs> Power move. We're currently. Uh, a clear queue. Yeah, with 10 viewers with two questions. Huh. Where's the questions, people? Here's one. Ask me a question, Jeremy. Oh, God. Uh, first of all, to follow up, because you have to answer the board game questions as well, the layout game, the, the game that has poor layout but I like, is uh, Overlight, the Overlight RPG. Mm. It... I think I like the game. I like the setting, but it's, uh, I think it tried to fill a page count with like width. So tables are like very long for no reason with the amount of information in them. And like the text doesn't separate nicely and I can't tell where I'm supposed to be reading, but other than that, great game. Uh, I wonder if that's why I didn't buy it. I remember I was at Gen Con whenever that came out and I, it was being demoed to a table and I just stood there and like watched it and got a pitch of it and thought that that game sounded pretty cool. And mm -hmm. that was when I was like starting to really look for RPGs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and try, Cause like that, that year, maybe it was two years at Gen Con. I just went and was like, I'm sick of board games. Actually, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get into RPGs heavy. <laughs> Actually, um, now I miss board games. It's the opposite now. I want to get back. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're gonna have that quote-unquote big box project. Let's do it. Uh, but question for you. Let's see. Um, let's say you were a caller. Sure. Uh huh. Uh, and I want to know something about game design, or tangential to game design. Right. Or you wanted to tell a story about a game you've played, or. Nobody's so done that yet. <laughs> Nobody's told a story. I could probably spin a yarn. Spin a yarn. Um, I think that I'll tell a story of when I 
because I want to commiserate with people who have like gone to conventions or other um, sh like your local game store and playing didn't like have a great reception. So like I had just started playing D&D, but I wanted to start branching out into other RPGs and other groups because the group I was a part of had like a bunch of nine to five situations and they had spouses and partners and they, like we could not get the schedules to, to come together. Um, so we were playing once a month, bi-monthly, something to that effect. And so I went out to play, I uh, went out to my friendly local game store and I went to, a, found a table. Uh, the owner was like, yeah, uh, there's a couple games we run on Sundays that people can just pop in and drop in on. I was like, oh, cool. I'd love to like do one of those. And one of the people happened to be there at the same time, uh, a guy that was running a Shadowrun game. And that was my first and only experience with Shadowrun. I haven't played since because uh, the event left a particularly bad taste in my mouth. It was that I went to the store. I was all excited. Um, I didn't really have the necessary amount of D6s for the game. <laughs> so I went, and, I went and bought like a tower of D6s. One those little like 12 by 9 whatever doodads. Uh, 12 by 4. And... I started playing and it was a pre-written adventure and it was one of those situations where the the GM in question came slightly unprepared and I don't want to knock like anyone's work schedule or anything but it was definitely this like grindy feel of just reading paragraphs off of this printed out PDF and like having to reference that and like the really hard railroad of something and I was new to the game. I didn't understand anything that was on my character sheet. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in any way, shape, or form. And um, there, the, there's a couple, this husband and wife that were playing that showed up. And they already gave off like sort of a really intense air of dominance when it came to the table. Oh, that's and then there were two other not a good air. People, not a good air <laughs> at all, let me tell you. So I... Uh, I was sitting there and one of the players was very kind, uh, this other guy who was a little bit quieter throughout the whole thing. But when the role play ha started happening, it became this power gamey, the, the couple, the husband and wife had like these very decked out, uh, like adventure league style characters. And they were literally telling me like not to do anything. It was like this adventure they were running and I was playing this, what was it? I can't remember what the name of the goddamn class. It's like a thief or or a smuggler or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so like part, for me being this like my 10th game, uh, uh, we were in this aristocrat's house and I was like, oh, I just want to do a little role play here. I want to take one of these golden spoons. I want to try to make a role for one of these golden spoons. And the, the dude was like, the husband was like, no, don't do that. Like, do not roll that. You're going to fuck this up for us. I was like, wait, hold Jesus on. Like, Jesus Christ, trying... I need to go. Uh, <laughs> But I was locked. I, I felt obligated and polite to like be locked in for three hours. But that was like the whole thing. Like the whole time we were there, it was just those two running the show. They had weapons and actions and abilities and stuff that just like blew out combats. So I couldn't like the other three. The other two didn't care. It seemed like they were there to just kind of like hang out and just like have their character sheets in front of them, but not engage. <laughs> And I'm like, what is happening? And it was at that point that I decided that I would be the forever GM because I think there's definitely something to be said about cultivating 
and experience at yeah. a table and cultivating healthy relationships between right. people. And I was preventing. I never went back to the game. <laughs> I never went back to the game store because it was so bad. Like, I just did not have fun at all. Yeah, that's my story. I've, I've, I've never played a, an RPG at a game store or with strangers that wasn't online in a community mm-hmm. of people that like <laughs> didn't suck shit. <laughs> That was the only time I've had a negative experience in a role-playing game. That wasn't just like a, a rules thing. Like I don't like the game because the game does this thing. It wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with the people. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's my. That's my there. That was probably my gatekeeper experience. Your your official uh, gamer story. Yeah, my official gamer story. Ugh. Somebody has climbed into the queue. Yeah. Would you believe it? In the home stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discord user, longtime caller, MV. <laughs> Why don't we bring them in? Yeah, come on in. Let's let's see what's going on. <laughs> hey, thanks for calling the Tabletop Calling Show. Who is this? <laughs> That's very accusatory. I'm a bit loud, probably. You're a bit quiet, actually. I'm a bit quiet. Ooh. But, yeah. I just wanted to turn you up, and I have you at 186% already, so... Damn. How's it going? No, it's going great. Actually, speaking of uh, local game store stories... Oh. uh, (laughs) um, Like, there was a GM at at my local game store that decided to run a Mothership one-shot... Like right after it came out, essentially, and that's what introduced me to like games that are not D and D, and I'm like forever grateful that I went to that game. It was really fun. Um, that's my gamer story, and I Positive. saw you were low. Positive <laughs> I, I gamer you... story. <laughs> I saw you were low on callers, so I just said to just call in. Um... Oh, this is a pity call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need the pity. <laughs> uh, uh, I wanted. I have some, like a couple of questions I might ask you. Um, how is it? Oh no, not how is it. Um, I'm sort of designing a GMless experience Ooh. for another game. Okay, which is. Long story short, I'm making a GMless hack. Why mm-hmm. designing a GMless experience? Um, and I'm thinking, like, what do you think? Like, is GMless play uh, bad at? Uh, sort of maybe what genres or what areas it's like lacking in? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like you can't have like pre-written stuff isn't good with GMless because of course no one person can do can like be in charge of this pre-written thing. And also I want to kind of talk about what GMless is good in and what areas it can grow and expand in. Jeremy, mm, this is a this is a good one. I will try my hand at this with the zero games I've designed. Uh, But I've read a lot. 
in the recent months. I think in to answer the question about where GMless games struggle, one you already mentioned, games that have sort of this uh, adventure writing paradigm about it, uh, because there's a conversation to be had about like. I don't know. I'm one of those people that are unaffected A by spoilers and also B unaffected by immersion. So like I can read an adventure and still play my character in the sense that like I'll tell the story that my character was meant to tell, not the story that like Jeremy the player, unless that's what the game requires me, uh, requires of me to do. Uh but potentially I can also see it, I don't know if it's a genre of game, but games that sort of rely on a concept of that each uh, player makes a character that brings their own goals to the table. So there's no like unifying goal of the game. And so when everyone has very desperate goals, so I, I experienced this like when I played D&D games and had players mm -hmm. like there's a central through line, but they all want to do like these B side story things. And that kind of like pulls and tugs at the whole group as an entity. So I think that it doesn't work well in games that allow character creation to have uh, a character with its own unique goal that isn't like limited by what the main through fare of the game is. And part of that mm -hmm. is like has to do with GM nuance or table nuance. Like, hey, what are the themes we're trying to do here, right? If it presents those tools, it's probably fine. But for the ones that don't, I think it, uh, I think a GMless game requires a very strong thematic to make mm -hmm. sure that everyone's on the same page and we're all like walking the same direction so we can all use the same tools to enhance the resonance of all the players at the table. Yeah, I can definitely see that because like an AGM game, you like have a person who whose role is to guide the play. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, you would need a very strong unifying theme for everyone to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the second question was how how can GM maybe what is the room for growth when it comes to GMless games? Was that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. What's like the strong area you see in a GMless game? Uh, I think that it is creative flexing because I think a lot of uh, tra traditionally like GM games, and I speak of this like whatever intuition I have about the the D, D scene right i think there's this misconception that when you come to a D, D game the gm is responsible for all narrative control weight and players don't really have like uh the ability to mix those things outside of their own char uh, character agency right like i i think a lot of time players can feel like they can't say like oh i would love to see this thing in the world or i would love to see this piece of setting or i would love to see this npc come back or something like that Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of the strengths to GMless games is that it uh, it allows training in those departments that you can it uh, enhances your creative muscles when you bring it back to other games. So I think that the strength of a GMless game is that it can enhance your own personal role play because it trains you how to use prompts or think outside the box or uh, how to subvert certain tropes or themes and make those more interesting for your particular mix of colors at the table. 
So I think that's definitely a really great strength of, of GMless games that I've loved. Like I I played Iron Sworn and uh, and also I've tried a couple solo games and it's really helped me get an idea of how to ask certain questions of my players in GM games. Like, hey, you know, moving forward, what do you want to see more of, right? Like using the highlights or stars and wishes sort of um, uh, system or experience towards other games that don't have them. I think GMless games are, unless there are specific structures f- for this, I think usually they're pretty bad at like consequences, because mm. a lot of people, until like uh, until you give them the tools and like set the stage, I, a lot of people I think will lean more towards like pulling punches, especially in consequences for other player characters. Uh, because they're, it's like, oh, we're all here, you know. Because when, when you're the GM, like, it's kind of your job to push on shit. But whenever nobody has that job, I think it can be very easy for people to, like, sit back and, like, oh, I do have a good idea about how this could get real fucked up. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to bring it up because, like, I don't want to... I don't want to infringe on that player's player agency. So, like, I think mm-hmm. an important thing in GMless design is setting up a conversation between players on like ways that they can infringe on each other's agency, like as characters. Um, because if at the beginning of the game, you're all like, Hey, yeah, you can do stuff to my character. I like, but I just get my, I get final say on like what ends up happening. Like I can, I can veto a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Can, I think that can go a long way towards people being like, Oh yeah. If you are trying to do this, well, this, logically this is what would happen whenever you do that um and so i'm gonna make that happen is that cool as opposed to just being like well i don't know if they want me to be you know setting these things to happen Mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna not say anything and a lot of that is going to be comfort with a group but i think Mm -hmm. providing some sort of structure in the game itself it like can go a long way towards cultivating groups to play in a way because like on the on the flip side of that is whenever GMless play is kind of like is working really well and like when the group is like firing on all cylinders together, it has a, a potential to like push forward further because whenever you are setting your own consequences in conjunction with other people, as opposed to looking up to the GM and saying, Okay, what happens? Whenever everybody's pushing, like you'll probably push harder, like with your own character, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. than than the GM would because even like as GM I often might pull punches but I'm a little bit too nice I think (laughs) (laughs) that is yeah I think that I do did I did I get both Mm -hmm. I think I got both yeah I I like that I really like that yeah um especially I think this kind of like um I have like a second mini question sort of And this really nicely segues into that. Uh, because I was thinking how to do horror in a GMless game. Um, and if you know horror GMless games, I would be like totally down for uh, suggestions. But basically, um, horror is this weird genre in RPGs because a horror in film and in books comes from the character losing agency of the world around them or their like like themselves mm-hmm. 
And that's what like is scary to us is losing agency. But losing agency is like it's most of the time not fun or like just like it's it's just not good <laughs> in the RPG. Um like when a a GM can't say to you, like, you're scared now. It, it, like you won't become scared from that. And if a GM like just does to your character what you don't want, it's just like it's just, it's just a bad game. So how like uh yeah, this area is very interesting to me. How do you do an RPG well a horror RPG well that's mm-hmm. not just outright like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I mean I know you know Envy, I know you know about Cobwebs, but for, for the mm-hmm. listening audience, Cobwebs does horror jamless horror, I think, pretty well. Which would be it like that leads me to my answer on how you would do that, and that is with mm-hmm. mechanics that that take away certain types of agency. So like the, the, I think the agency in particular that mechanically think a game like Cobwebs takes away is like when the ending happens or like the fates of certain characters or like the vibe of certain scenes. Like it gives you what you have to play into. And so having having mechanics that like provide a structure for what gets what you play into uh, are really important. I think that's the only GMless horror game I've played personally yeah that's that's my issue too like <laughs> i haven't seen much and i played only one so yeah my fate my i mean my favorite horror game that i've played that has a gm is 10 candles and i think mm-hmm. i think you could Same. learn things from from there as well um but like the candles themselves providing that like mechanical stripping of agency while not like infringing on what your character actually does, just limiting their options and and presenting an eventual end. It, yeah. Speaking of which, Ten Candles removes agency in a very like visual and a literal way, mm-hmm. where you have these uh, dice. You have a pool of dice. I think it's ten. Yeah, I think it's yeah, ten. It's, it's one die per candle. So yeah, the players get however many dice are still mm-hmm. lit candles and and you start with the players having all the dice and as the game progresses the candles uh, blow out and the gm gets one by one more and more dice so you have this sort of shift of power and shift of agency more like the gm because their pool is of dice is bigger it's there is more chances that they succeed than what the player is trying to do and also, like Ten Candles, I think works really well as a horror game because so much of it is setting the mood. It asks you to play in a dark room so with good. only Ten Candles lit. Yeah, I, I <laughs> and I love think it. like eighty percent of the like horror mood comes from that, and right. the players are instantly like in that uh, vibe. Yeah, and comes from like the. Like you have to genuinely be careful about the candles because if a candle mm-hmm. blows out, it's out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like moving the candles around to try to see what your die roll is. It's yeah, there's just a lot of that it game's has, good. If you uh, haven't played that game, you should play that game in person. <laughs> if <laughs> eventually we had a moment, <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, January last year actually. Uh, 
it was my it was my birthday game. <laughs> Nice. Real fun. It's it's a real fun game to play, like yeah. on your birthday, because it takes like a lot of people to play too. Mm -hmm. And someone was like passing the chips uh, during character creation. So it's even before the game starts, you have to light the candles for character creation. And someone was passing chips, and the like bowl of chips blew out a candle, <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh no!" And when everyone said, "Oh no," like there was this like. Uh, exhaling of air, <laughs> and when everyone said, "Oh no!" even more candles. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was even worse. Hard so mode. It's a real fun game. Yeah, the the first um, the first time I ran that, everybody like decided to take a bathroom break halfway through. Which, like, I was like, "Yeah, sure, of course, we should take a break." But what that meant is when we got towards the end, like the candles just started going out because we were playing for longer and then we were supposed to because of that extra like 15 minute break <laughs> so the last few scenes because every time a candle goes out if you don't know how the game you have to change the candle this. goes out yeah. the scene mm -hmm. ends and so mm -hmm. like it was just and it was like the players furiously trying to role play to get themselves to a good place before it was over because like the candles were really dwindling it was fucking what a good game what mm -hmm. a good game what a good game, what a good game. damn uh I was also going to add to like the talk of how to do horror and RPG. I think a lot of time people, you already said this, but it's like, you can't tell, you can't tell someone to be scared. You can only set them up to be scared. So you can't use like words. You can't use jump cuts from like films. Right. And you don't want to get so prosy that you, you know, bore everyone to death in your mm -hmm. description. So like <laughs> two of the big things that I think about uh, are ambiance or atmosphere like 10 candles like that totally mm -hmm. sets your mood and then the other thing is mechanics that uh elicit tensions so like usually time time is something to play with i think for horror because when you think about 10 candles or games like um oh shit dread uh the the jenga uh, mm -hmm. game the jenga role-playing game like the time is in when does the tower fall right like the tension keeps stacking every time you do something with the jenga tower so like uh, whatever explicit or implicit mechanics you have within the text or or game or whatever or if you add tools like a jenga tower or candles or whatever like that i think tension and atmosphere are really big components to creating and setting up horror after that i don't think you can i don't think i would it, i think it would be challenging for someone i'm not saying it's impossible but i think it'd be challenging to try to write something to scare someone all you can do is rely on the skill of the players at the table and what they're comfortable with exploring because you also don't want to write things that induce traumatic experiences mm -hmm. in people yeah, yeah, right or or that poke on those things that they may have inside of them so i think just just the setup i think focusing on writing the setup mm -hmm. and then letting them execute let them yeah. get their own payoff which is which will work for them and i think what you note, like what you noticed is like the mechanics and the uh and um this setup i forgot how the word is um you have like these are things that are very um that everyone can sort of make, and it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not, it will work. Like mm -hmm. mechanics will work for everyone. And if you have a dark room with 10 candles, it's a dark room with 10 candles for everyone. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. if your GM is like very bad at reading a paragraph of prose, like it, it like it won't have the same effect as if like a very skilled GM reading a paragraph right. of prose. Yeah, yeah. So a skilled orator. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> um, opera singer. <laughs> um, <laughs> why there's no opera RPG? <laughs> there should be. Jam, I think yeah. there is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be waiting for for your opera RPG. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Th- thanks so much for your yeah feedback. It's great. Yeah. Love the Colin show. Thanks Thank for calling questions. in. Yeah. If you got anything, uh, uh... see you. Adam, want to kick me? Yeah, sure. You do you want to no plugs or anything before? We um, kick my you? my plug is vmv.itch.io and at may visit on Twitter. I'm doing. I think I will be doing jams on a regular basis yeah, from now because I have so right. many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many ideas. You can't believe it will take me years to, to get through all the jam ideas. I love it. So, so yeah. Um, look out for that and. I'll see you soon. Cool. See you around. Cool. Always. Yeah. Cool. That uh, that about does it, huh? Yeah. Any last minute? Any last minute thoughts before we stampede on out of here? Horror's good. Yeah. Layout's good. Yeah. Board games are good. Board games are good. Kickstarter is we... not good, but yeah, <laughs> but we gotta use it. <laughs> Listen to Adam Bell's second episode coming out soon to hear more about that. Yeah, that's probably what three weeks. Yeah, three. <laughs> Speaking of in front one level. month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've been Adam Bell. Uh, I don't think we did proper introductions for ourselves at the beginning, so. Thank you for making it to the end. Uh, I've been Adam Bell. You can find me on Twitter at Adam e. Bell. You can find the games that I make over at adamebell.games, uh, including my current um, itch fund thing called Reliance, which is a game about building up the society that you live in after a big time socialist revolution so go check that out that should be coming out in april grasping nettles i think will be coming out i'm gonna say may i think that's what i said in the kickstarter uh more to come out uh, in the future jeremy what's up with you uh yeah you can find me at jeremy gauge five over on twitter that you can see in the little note below me you can listen to the draw your dice podcast you got it. You did it. You pointed. Uh, <laughs> and that is on Red Circle and also all of your favorite podcast distributors now at this point. And if it's not, find the RSS feed and f- figure it out. Yeah. I'll configure it out. That's what I would say. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And while we're at it there, you can find the Tabletop Colin show there as well. So if you're joining us late or perhaps are going to miss a future episode, you can listen afterwards. Uh, just look for the Tabletop Colin Show on your podcast app of choice or go get the RSS feed at Tabletop Colin on Twitter. You'll find the links there. Uh, and that's it. I think that's the show. I'm going to boot us. I'm going to boot the viewers over to the the All Nerds here. I think the puppet show is still happening. So yes, you yeah. can enjoy one or two rounds of our song. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, hey, yeah, and then get on out of here. So, have a great, uh, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for stopping by.